0: Welcome to the White Horse Rides. I'm Mark Stephen. Thank you for joining us. This begins a series of reports from the Grey Cup in Regina. And before we begin, we want to bring you a word from one of our big supporters. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home or condo, you probably have a few questions about the market. Contact Wayne Nelson at Royal LePage Benchmark. WNelson at RoyalLePage.ca. Wayne Nelson, helping you make your move. Phone or text 403 246 one nine eight seven. Wayne Nelson, Royal LePage Benchmark, your Calgary and area realtor. All right, it's a closed practice day at the Grey Cup in Regina today, so whatever secrets the Argos have, the health status of Winnipeg's Zach Caleros, and whatever the teams are working on, well, we'll have to find out another day. However, later tonight, the individual awards will be handed out in Regina. Winnipeg has four nominees, including quarterback Zach Caleros, the Argos have one, and the Stampeders have one nominee, Sean Lemon, as the top defensive player. In my mind, he's... A coin flip to win that award. Also, UFC product Tyson Philpot of Montreal. Well, he's the East nominee for Rookie of the Year. He had a tremendous season. He can be very proud of it. But Winnipeg's Dalton Schoen is ticketed for that award. He had one of the great rookie seasons ever. Today, a look at the Toronto Argonauts heading into the game. They are the underdogs. There's no getting around that. But they gave the Blue Bombers nearly all they could handle in their one regular season meeting. The Blue Bombers squeezed by Toronto 23-22, and that was only because of a missed extra point at the end of the game. To break down the Argos, I want to bring in Ben Grant. He's host of the Argos podcast named X's and Argos. In the Toronto market, he firmly keeps his eyes on the team. First of all, Ben, good to catch up with you. And before we dive into the Grey Cup and the Argos, I want to look back to the weekend. A big Toronto win and a tremendous atmosphere at BMO Field. Your thoughts.
1: Yeah, just to start with what you said about the the vibe there, it was electric. The atmosphere was like, I haven't really seen it before because we did have a packed house last year at BMO for the East final, but it was 50%, almost 50% <laughs> Tiger Cats fans and 50% Argos fans. This was very different. The Alouettes fans did show up uh, in in terms of support, and and they were fantastic. But it was a heavy, heavy Argos crowd, and the Argos haven't been drawing that well, as everybody in the CFL knows. Uh, that's been a struggle, and to to have over twenty one thousand there for this game was big because it's a stadium that, even when there's only twelve thousand there, it gets extremely loud, and you could see it affecting the players. There was a real energy to it. Uh, the the players were hyped up from the the word go, and and you saw it reflected in their play on the opening drive. They they looked ready for business. And last year in these final, it was field goal after field goal. And this year that wasn't going to happen. They opened the game with three straight touchdowns. So uh, it yep. was it was just a it was a team that looked like they had been there and done it wrong before, and weren't going to make that same mistake again.
0: No, no question they did a good job. And I know when the Stampeders were there in August, it was right in the middle of the CNE, and just a great buzz in the stadium as well. Not as many people as Sunday, but uh, you can tell there certainly is a hard, passionate core there. So let's get to it. Uh, The Argos are going to the Grey Cup. They're going there with McLeod Bethel-Thompson at the controls. Has he finally silenced the numerous critics out there? Because in my mind, there is no player more polarizing in the CFL
1: I'm on his side, but I know there's just as many that uh, aren't sure he's the guy to do it. I'm not sure he's silenced them. He's sidelined them for now, because yeah. how can you not? He's coming off what I thought is the best game he has ever played as a as the Toronto Argonaut. And he, he is, I don't know, I've never really understood it with him. He is so polarizing. I, I think part of the reason for it is that it does seem like in a lot of games there are, is maybe one throw he makes where there's a wide-open receiver and he just you know sails it over his head or, or what have you. and I think it's easy for fans to point at that and say, well, good quarterbacks don't do that. And it's certainly early on in his career, he did make mistakes, but that hasn't really been the McLeod-Bethel-Thompson we've seen over the last couple of seasons. And one stat that I, I want to give you, which is my favorite McLeod-Bethel-Thompson stat uh, of the entire year, and I think it it illustrates – how much work he's put into his craft early in his career. He had trouble in the red zone. He turned the ball over. He had interception issues. And this year he really made it a focus and tracking his, his numbers this year inside the 25 yard line this season, including last week, 15 touchdowns, one interception. And I think every team in the league would take numbers like that. Whenever the Argos have the ball in the scoring position, he's not gonna make a mistake. You know, one one interception and fifteen touchdowns, that ratio is is fantastic. And and I don't know how how people don't want to cheer for a guy that is putting everything on the line every Mm -hmm. week. He takes more big hits than anybody in the league and just gets right back up. Even last week, he didn't take a sack, but you watched the replay of that beautiful touchdown toss. He has to Curly Gittins junior. He has to hang in there until the very last second to get that ball out. And he gets absolutely leveled at the last second. And, and no, no reaction from it hops right back up. One of the toughest players in the league, The guys love playing for him. Everyone in that locker room adores him. So. He is polarizing. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. The critics have stopped yapping for now, but they'll be back. If there's one bad game, they'll show up again, <laughs> and you'll see the Chad Kelly supporters come out again. That's what it's been this year.
0: Oh, boy. Well, whatever. Uh, I just look at the numbers. They're pretty good. And remember, he didn't play one game at the end of the year there, so that's my take on it. Uh, but I look at the situation of uh, the running back that the, the team has, Olette and Harris. How's that going to play out? Because obviously, Andrew Harris missed a good chunk of the season. How do you see that playing out on Sunday?
1: I think it'll be interesting to see how Winnipeg adjusts because they really caught Montreal off guard. Montreal's defense didn't know what to do with some of the packages that Coach Dinwiddie put out there last week because there's been no film on that with Toronto because Olette wasn't dressing when Harris was playing earlier in the season, Harris gets hurt. Olette takes over and, and takes off. He's, he's been fantastic. And so the question was, is, is this going to be too much? Are there too many toys to sort of play with for coach Dinwiddie here? And I thought he did a really nice job of balancing them and using, using Harris as a decoy to get the ball to Olette to and, and vice versa. But as much as that caused issues for Montreal, Winnipeg now has that. They can study the tape mm-hmm. and they can come up with a plan for that, which Montreal didn't have that advantage and and ability to do. So I expect them both to be on the field, not the whole game, but I think there will be packages where they're out there together because it poses a problem. Both of them... Both of them run really hard. They both are very gifted receivers. And so if you've got heavy play action to one in the backfield, you have to respect that. And that does draw the attention of the linebackers. And you're able to then pull the ball and, and flip out a, a you know a wide screen or a bubble pass to to the other running back. Receivers are very good blockers for the Argos. It's, it's a weapon. And we saw that used pretty effectively in Toronto last week. I expect it'll be similar, but you'll probably see a few different wrinkles this week. Yeah, because they now know what they can do as well. You mentioned
0: Ryan Dinwiddie. We talked about uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Uh, before Bethel-Thompson got there, he had, uh, you know, uh, looked like he was running a travel agency with his resume of where he'd been. It's really worked in with in Toronto with him and Dinwiddie. Why has that come together so well? You know, an offensive quarterback coach in Dinwiddie and Bethel-Thompson. He's brought out the best in Bethel-Thompson. I got to give him a lot of credit, at least the way I see it anyway.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And it, it wasn't it wasn't really predictable because no. remember last season, Nick Arbuckle was supposed to be the guy and he was Dinwiddie's guy. This no. was this was the guy that he had success with out in Calgary. They were each other's reason for their kind of rise to stardom, I guess. And uh, having them together to start the season, McLeod Bethel-Thompson felt almost like an afterthought. He was the backup quarterback last season, but his play stood out. And at uh, in the midpoint of the season, they, they dealt uh, Nick Arbuckle. And McLeod Bethel-Thompson really did take over the squad. But what I think is interesting is that Coach Dinwiddie did a really nice job kind of changing the offense as the season progressed to suit McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Dinwiddie, you mentioned being a a former quarterback himself. It's such a... It's such an advantage for a quarterback to have a coach who was a quarterback. I think that's why you see so many of them. And, you know, Coach DeWinney knows it's not ideal to be playing in someone else's system. And McLeod never had that. There's not a single year where he came into the season in the CFL. And it was an offense designed for him. This is the first time it ever happened this year, and I think Coach Dimwitty, to his credit, realized this was something that that needed to occur. And so you didn't see a lot of the stuff that last year McLeod was was running, at least early on in in his run, was designed for Nick Arbuckle. It was stuff that catered to his strengths, not stuff that the McLeod does well. And so this year it's been completely different. It's been an offense that really is designed for McLeod, and so it's it's a big factor in why. He's had the best season of his career. And I think you you look at Coach Dinwiddie as well. He hasn't escaped criticism in Toronto either. Know. There's If there's another polarizing figure, it's him. So, and you look at his resume and it's similar in that, you know, he's been a head coach for two seasons. He finished with the best record in the East twice, got to the uh, East final, obviously the first year. And now he's in the Grey Cup. How can you criticize a guy like that? And yet you don't have to look far to find it. Wow. Yeah. That polarizes his way all the way to two East finals. So I guess I that,
0: that's the way it goes. I look at this Argo defense as we speak with Ben Grant from Toronto, X's and Argos, what unit stands out for you the most? I like the secondary. They've got the linebackers with
1: Winton McManus and Mwamba, and up front, which is the best unit of the three. It's hard to say because they, they're all good. It's a really solid defense this year. I know it didn't look like it necessarily in these final last week. It was the offense that carried the day but most of the games Toronto has won this season was because of the defense. The, the numbers don't stand out because they play a bend but don't break philosophy. They, they will They'll let you walk up and down the field five yards at a time if you can do it. And then they'll really tighten things up once once you get inside the red zone. But so that's why the numbers, the yardage numbers, aren't spectacular. But they're a really dangerous defense. They they like to play a cover four style. They give their DBs a chance to take a look at the quarterback and make a jump on the ball. I think that's why uh, they're so good in terms of taking the ball away from other teams. But yeah, you look at like the defensive line, for example. They they've got two guys that are sitting on the bench. They they're, they're sorry. They aren't even dressing who I, I think are fantastic players in like, you know, Ali Fayed, who's like Mac player of the year, Jared Brinkman, who was two time um, Missouri Valley uh, conference player of the year. And these guys aren't even getting to dress. And so there's just uh, talent all over that defensive line room, the linebackers in Muamba, who's one of the best middle linebackers in the league. And I think Wyndham McManus was the best player, uh, best defensive player I saw this year. Uh, the, and the funny enough, the the only the only guys that I think could give him a run for that are on Calgary, and so you are very familiar with those yep. defensive players. Wyndham McManus was playing at that level, along with along with Judge and and Thurman and Lemon and those guys. He was that much of a game changer. Um, so losing him does hurt that positional group. And then, yeah, the secondary has been fantastic. And yeah. it wasn't necessarily all the guys we thought we were going to see coming into the season. A few of them were released or traded away to start the year. Uh, but, yeah, Tavares McFadden has really stepped up. Deshaun Amos, uh, I think people in Calgary are probably familiar with a lot of the rest of the secondary. And Richardson yeah. and Mechie and Amos. And, and Jamal Peters has been a terrific find uh, these last two seasons. And he leads the league in interceptions, created another turnover last week. So there's not really a, a weakness but they are going to miss Winton McManus a little bit in the Grey Cup, unfortunately. Yeah, no question.
0: Um, let's add up the situation, though. A good season for the Argos. I had them pegged as the team to come out of the East. So far, so good. Now it's Winnipeg. Do they have what it takes to knock off the champions? It's the old cliche, the old wrestling cliche to be the best. You got to knock
1: off the best. Do they have it in them? They have it in them. It's they're They're underdogs. There's no question about that. The Winnipeg, was the best team in the CFL this year, and anyone who says otherwise is 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 off. Uh, you know, there are teams that can beat them. Uh, certainly, you know, Calgary was in that league, I think BC was in that league, and I think Toronto was in that league. Remember, they lost to Winnipeg by a point, and it was a missed extra point on the last play of the game. That was how they went down. They actually match up quite well against Winnipeg, and so there is a way that Toronto can win. I, I have no doubt about that. However, there's also no mistake in the fact that Winnipeg's the best team. They they should, Winnipeg should win this football game. However, yeah, Toronto should be able to play them fairly well. As I said, they don't have a lot of weaknesses on defense. If they can, if they can get out in front, which you know they did last week. And you look at Winnipeg's few losses over the last few years, teams have been able to get out in front in those situations. If you let Winnipeg get out to a lead, it's so tough because as you know. Any any CFL fan knows, having watched their team suffer uh, against the Blue Bombers the last few years, if you let them get out front and you don't know if it's if it's a run or pass, you have no idea what's coming. You're in trouble because they've just got they've got such a an intelligent system on offense and and such a smart quarterback in Zach Calera's. That they they will pick you apart if you don't know what's coming. So Toronto, in order to in order to hang around in this game, they've got to be able to shut them down defensively for at least a little while, allow their offense to take a lead. And then I think they they can, you know, because Toronto plays well offensively when when you don't know what they're gonna do. McLeod yeah. Bethel Thompson can't necessarily do it all on his own. If Toronto has to pass the whole game, you know, there could be trouble. And so if Toronto gets out to an early lead, then certainly they can hang around and they can they can find a way to win this game late
0: well we'll find out if they can and just a historical note i was stunned when the records came out that these teams haven't played since 1950 i mean it's a nine-team league how many opponents are there and yet they, you know they haven't played in 72 years that, that just strikes me as odd i know winnipeg was in the east a few years but uh, it, it's kind of one of those quirks that you just wouldn't uh, ever think of when uh, they don't really have a, a distinguished long-standing rivalry do they
1: yeah, it's it's there are some really odd ones. And of course, that and that last matchup, I think it was in 1950, the yeah. mud hole, which there are some amazing photos of it looks fantastic, although a broadcaster's nightmare with <laughs> everybody just completely covered in mud football referees included. So, yeah, it's 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 been a little while. But like you said, it's just, you know, the, the two franchises both have gone through peaks and valleys and seemingly at alternating times. And the little time that that Winnipeg spent in the East as well, that sort of, uh, I guess, adds to that too. But yeah, it's one that I I think both cities are kind of excited about. And I think Mm -hmm. CFL fans are excited about because... I think everyone was getting pretty tired of Winnipeg-Hamilton. I know people certainly (laughs) were in Toronto. And so, yes, Winnipeg's there again, but at least it's somebody new this time, some new faces. So I think the CFL world is at least a little excited about that. But, yeah, in terms of the the actual rivalry, there's not really one there per se, Um, but they've historically had some interesting battles. And another one that i didn't realize until this week which i really should have known is that toronto has won uh, all six of their last grey cup appearances i believe yep. going back into the 80s the last six times they've they've been in the grey cup they won it so there's some some historical uh, trends that are on toronto's side here I'm fully aware of three of those last
0: six victories, I can tell you that. So there you go. So, well, maybe they'll start a new rivalry uh, this week. Ben, thank you very much for the update. We'll look forward to the game in Regina. and should be a lot of fun. And as every game does, new memories and new uh, heroes will be created. Thanks so much. Our thanks to Ben Grant from the podcast X's at Argos. Thanks for joining us. We'll have daily updates from the Grey Cup. That's the White Horse Rides. I'm Mark Stephen. Thanks for listening. Oh, oh, oh,